Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday, talking some USC Trojan football. The Trojans win another game, uh, 49-35 to over the Arizona Wildcats. Now have a stranglehold in the Pac-12 South, and we're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde about the game. Uh, answer all of your questions. You guys sent in a lot of questions. Even during the game, you were sending in questions. So we're going to talk about all of that. And talk with him. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. If you have questions for us and you want to send them in, you can do that podcast at uscfootball.com or give us a call or a text. Uh, the number is 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. Call or text and leave us a voicemail. Try to keep them brief. And we'd love to play them on the air. We got some voicemails today. We got some text messages. We got some emails and we're going to get to all that when we talk to the coach harvey hyde follow my twitter like i said at coach harvey hyde what's up coach how you doing brian uh, it's great to be with you all and again uh, here we go the trojans eight and two and six and one in sole position of the pac-12 south as far as looking at that you say wow that's really good as far as, the, as their destiny is concerned they can't get to the championship game they just got to take care of business but we'll have to see, and we'll see what the questions are today, and we'll see how everybody took that win last night, 49-35, to 35, over the Cats from Arizona. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a mixed reaction. Um, if this was one of those games, coach, coach, where I was like, hey, you beat Arizona, you beat a red-hot Khalil Tate, no matter how ugly it is, you're going to have a stranglehold in the South, it's fine. But you still just, I don't know, there's something the way this team plays, Um that leaves you a little frustrated. And before we jump, so there's, that's our first question, but I wanted to thank our sponsor before we, for, before I play it for you, Southern California tickets, only one home game left for USC. Can you believe it? Uh, USC against UCLA in a couple of weeks, but if you want to get tickets for that, maybe the road game at Colorado or any other game, uh, basketball season now, uh, hockey games, go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. And they will hook you up. Also, the Pac-12 championship game. There's uh, likely that I know some people are booking their flights. I'm probably going to end up booking a flight. Uh, USC basically has a magic number of one. Just has to win one more game, or you know, not have, not lose both, and not have Arizona or Arizona State win out. So uh, very likely that USC is going to represent the Pac-12 South in the championship game. But you can go to sctickets.com if you want tickets for that or anything else, and uh, they will help you out. But what I was saying before that, coach. There's a level of frustration. And, uh, you know, we were feeling in the press box, just kind of like, man, what is this team doing? So let me play this voicemail for you and get your reaction. Here you go. Hey, guys. This is John from Wisconsin. Um, I just wanted to get your take. I I know that – why am I so frustrated after these wins? I mean, we covered the point spread this this time and everything. I don't know. I just I feel like we're just underachieving, but we're we're winning our way through. And, and yeah, I get the pack. I think the Pac-12 championship should be the goal, and we're on pace to get there. And I'm just I don't know. I just watch these games, and I just get so frustrated. And 
what, what do you guys think about that? Is, are these games as hard to watch for you as it is for me? Thanks. Talk to you later. Well, I hope you got a good night's sleep from the results of the game. But I, I feel the same way. Uh, I'm never relaxed during the football game. I'm always uptight that something's going to happen. I never know what to expect as far as are they going to finish this game or is someone going to catch up and beat them at the end. Yet they are so close to being a great football team. They have better athletes. They really perform. They make big plays. And they're 8-2 and two and 6-1. and one. Probably most teams in the country would love to have that record. But they just don't seem to give you that feeling like if you watch an Alabama game, you say, you know, they're in control. It's just a matter of time when they're going to break it up open and it's going to go. When you're up, uh, when you're moving the ball and you have two drives for 160 yards and you get no scores, you say, wow, haven't they learned what to run down on the goal line or short yardage offense? Or certain schemes that they might be using as far as uh, on the goal line and, and other spots on the field, uh, they're just not sound. Uh, the blocking of those uh, short yardage plays and some of the formations they use with the great talent they have, they could really utilize it more. Darnell is such a warrior that it gets into his hands after a slow start. He corrects himself and does things that are unbelievable to bring the team back. Uh, you, you never, you're never out of a game with Sam Darnell in the game. I mean, he was even hurt, and uh, he had called it a night, and he had put his helmet away, and all of a sudden they came back and tied the game up. He came back in the game and drove them to touchdowns to win that football game. But I, I have the same feeling. Uh, when you gain 600 yards plus, you should sit back and say, man, did we blow them out? Wasn't that a great win? We've got everything going. Well, I can't say that like you can't say that, and if you're out there saying that, then I don't think you are really looking at the game intelligently as far as the type of things that could be going on that aren't going on. I mean, little things like last night Sam Darnold in the running game was used as a quarterback uh, draw. How many times do they do straight drop-back passing where they run a draw where he's going to make the necessary yards to make a first down? Why not let him just keep the ball out of their regular play action, get 9, 10 yards? Last week or two weeks ago, he got 39 yards on one carry. Just do things off the series that you have and complete it or go to a two-back type of offense where he doesn't have to carry the football. Can you imagine where and Jones being in the backfield at the same time, two explosive backs like that, both can catch the ball. Both run hard, and the Stephen Carr wasn't even healthy. And here we are at a fourth-and-one situation. He hasn't played for at least three weeks. Fourth-and-one, and in comes to the game Stephen Carr. On a play when it's fourth-and-one, not warmed up, hasn't played, they give him the ball, and he makes the first down by two or three inches. To me, I just wonder why when Ronald Jones is just going off, man, uh, and later on in the game, they run the ball up the middle, up the middle. The final touchdown with Ronald Jones, he broke it to the outside and went in, because he knew it's not there in the middle, so you break it to the outside and go in because they're pinching the end because they never have to worry about the outside. But these are the little things that you see if you're into football, the X and O's. They could be so good.
that they've been able to win eight football games and lose really to great teams such as Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the country, and they did get blown out. I have to tell you the truth. I agree with that. I was feeling the same way you were during that game. Washington State, yes, I feel they should have won that game. Washington State is 8-2-2. and two, two. But that's what makes you so flustered, as you say. So that's how I feel. Just, just a few things you need to correct, like 14 penalties, 123 yards. You can't have those penalties like a holding penalty when Jones goes 97 yards. Just a beautiful run where you're going to get it going again and they have to bring it back. I just can't have that type of stuff. I mean, I think Chuma had two or three, the right tackle, number 70, holding penalties. Can't have that. So uh, that's my quick analysis. I could go on and on and on, but we don't have all day, Ryan. Yeah, well, uh, it's good because you brought up a couple points that we have questions on, too. So I'm going to do the short yardage one first. So that's another voicemail. Um, This was the... I think that this voicemail has to do with the uh, the interception that Sam Darnold threw. And I'll read something for you quick afterwards. Here you go. This is Cash calling in, watching the game. I mean, how ridiculous is this? It's the same old thing over and over again. When they when the offense finally does drive the length of the field and somehow gets stopped at the two-yard line, one-yard line, it's all of a sudden, oh, Hal, what do we do now? Shit, we just drove 98 yards, but oh, heck, let's not put it in the end zone. Everything is just the worst call you can imagine. Able to read Darnold so easily, rolls out the same way when they stop the run on first down, rolls the same way and throws a pass that's triple covered. The receiver's triple covered and back to never keeping the ball again. Okay. Yeah. You drive all the way down to the two yard line, but now they're keen on that. Pull the ball and run it where you've had success in the past. But no, they got to crop their little pampers every single time when they get near the goal line and turn the freaking ball over. Ridiculous. So Cash is not too happy, Coach. And Tom from Torrance wants to know, he said, it seems like we can't make it if we need a yard or a half a yard for a first down or we, or if we're at the goal line. Can you explain to me the reasons? That, is it a soft offensive line or bad play calling? Do we need two tight ends in this situation? I appreciate your input. That's Tom from Torrance. So a couple questions on the short yardage stuff, Coach. Well, I think it's a combination of all of the above. First of all, you do not want to run to the side where you don't have a tight end or you know, put a tackle over or something. They came out and ran that quarterback sneak on a quick count, and all they did was hurt themselves. They got off on defense, and they hit Darnold. He didn't make a yard. I mean, he might have lost a half a yard on that quarterback sneak down there. I mean, you've got to realize we have better players than they do. And, and guys, I'm telling you, that's what they're so close. If they just clean up certain areas of the game, and congratulations for the victory last night. If you're a fan out there saying all he does is complain, no. It's what I'd be telling my staff, what I'd be telling my coordinators. we got to, and you hear the term that Coach Helton uses all the time, clean up, clean up, clean up. But if you watch the same videos in the same game I am, as far as the, the game, you see the same things as our gentleman just said in Torrance, that you got to clean it up. You can't keep making those same mistakes. Otherwise, people who know football say, 
maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't understand that they don't know. And the worst person, or let's say, is a person that thinks he knows that doesn't know. So you've got to be able to clean that up and understand that you can't allow them to continue to pinch like that. You've got to run the stretch play. You've got to give them from the outside a tackle out where they can find that seam and get up in and score a touchdown, or they get into their jumbo type of formation where they don't know if you're going to run or pass or play action pass, or you have a run pass option with a guy in the flat and a, a drag and a corner and the backside a tight end coming across where you have an opportunity to curl up in the open area or run it in if it's a man and just get around the corner. They're playing man and get in there. But you've got to be able to have a plan that your offense knows we're on the one-yard line or on the two-yard lines. It's first and two or first and goal. Hey, this is what we want to. This is what we wait for. This is when we line up and get off the football and show people just who we are. You should have never let us get here. We're in the red zone. This is our zone that we love to get into and blow people off, and you've got to have a plan to be able to do that. And they've lost confidence because they run, and I hate to say this, they run right up the middle every single time. I can say it because it's happening. With the back that's five yards deep, running straight up the middle, with the defensive line penetrating because they're real low, running into a stack where he has nowhere to break or find a seam to get in the end zone. So he loses yards. He's lucky not to lose a yard or two. So you've got to have a plan on exactly what you're trying to educate to get those yards. And if you can get into a jumbo, you don't even have to put, you don't even have to put tight ends. Put tackles in, and put a big tackle at fullback, or an upback, and get just go after it, man, and and blow them out and blow straight ahead and get it done. Kick out, pull through, lead through, uh, with the near back kick out, lead through with the fullback and reverse it and go on off tackle and get in the end zone or whatever. I'm just giving you different types of ideas, but I agree with you. A hundred percent. There's a couple of things like that. And the other one, since no one's bringing it up, that bothers me all the time. And a receiver that's doing it right is a young receiver, Tyler Vaughn. He knows where the sticks are. He'll go past the sticks, come back. He'll run a stop route, curl to the open area. They'll hit him. Whenever they call, throw the ball to Tyler, he's got that first down. How many times do you throw that ball? Well, you're short on third and eight, and you get six yards. When they threw the ball to Petit, I think it was. What was that all about? <laughs> and the one time that Donald threw the ball straight out that should have been picked off for pick six. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. What was that, a two-yard hitch? I mean, I don't understand that call. So these are the little things you've got to clean up. But you've got such great personnel. When you see... Ronald Jones and the determination of him running the football and the efforts and the great uh, ability of Stevie Mitchell making that catch and Ronald Jones making that catch. I mean, these are plays that go on highlight films. So you know they're great athletes. Allow them to be great athletes by putting them in a situation and a position where they can win. He uh, cash So Cash called in. That was during the game. I think he called right after the interception. He called in twice more. During the game, he basically said Sam Darnold's not that good. He uh, he also doesn't like guys that were running their mouths. He was talking about uh, Jenny Harris and uh, um, Jack Jones when they both got the personal foul penalties. Um, he just says it's a weak-looking team, no discipline, no heart. 
And this is a team that won, like, by 14 points and beat the spread. Um, but there's still some frustration like that out there, Coach. Yeah, there is. And I, I don't blame him. I don't like guys that can talk. Just be good. Just play and let people tell you how good you are. Don't You don't have to show me. I mean, just get out there and fans can see and talent people can see if you made a great play or not. Just go out and do it. That's what you're supposed to be doing, making that type of play. So there's still things to clean up. Special teams, you still got to clean up. I mean, we can go through this. You know, you're not going to play a perfect football game. Otherwise, you'd score on every play. But there's things you try to attempt to do that you can score on every play. You work towards that, or you work towards that on defense. The same thing as far as containing, stay in your lanes, don't block tackles, tackle, grab up, don't allow a guy to fall forward, don't do those type of things, don't leave your man when you're playing man. Do your, just do the play called. Play the play the play that was called. So there's just you know, or the coverage or whatever. So there's little things like that that you got to work on because they're so close to being a good team, and we all know that. It's just that they come up short sometimes, and you can't relax by watching the game, even though nothing against the University of Arizona and Tate and all those people. They shouldn't be playing on the same field that USC is when you evaluate the talent. Hard to argue with that, Coach. Um, before we jump into uh, – okay, we want to we got to talk about the referees, which is uh, an interesting topic. We had a bunch of questions about that. It's uh, – I don't know. It was it was full-on Pac-12 after dark, full-on Pac-12 refs. But I wanted to thank uh, – we have an, another sponsor, Blue, Blue Apron, which I've been using for the last couple of years. I uh, really love them. So it's the number one fresh ingredient – and recipe delivery service in the country. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home-cooked meals accessible to everyone. So there's beef, chicken, pork, all come from responsibly raised animals when you get the when you order them and get the meals to your house. And because they ship the exact amount of each ingredient required for a recipe, they're reducing food waste. So there's a good impact on the community besides being a great meal that you can cook in your house. So what I like to do is just we order a couple at a time, and we put them in the fridge, and then over the next couple of days we make them. The last one we made was a... Uh, Spiced cod and summer squash cakes, which is pretty cool. So if you make it, like if you want to make it for your wife, Coach, they look really good. They're very, they're healthy. They're tasty. Um, I've never thought to make like a crab cake sort of thing out of summer squash, but they show you how to do that. They give you the exact amount of ingredients. We made it. They give you uh, wine pairings if you want to do that, uh, which is cool. And it comes on a, the, the ingredient, the uh, instructions are great. It's a, a hard card stock, full color, uh, shows you everything that comes in the box. Shows you what it should look like and uh, really detailed instructions. So it works really well. But so what we want to do is if you can, you want to check out this week's menu, uh, go to blueapron.com slash peristyle. That's blueapron.com slash peristyle for the Peristyle podcast. You'll get $30 off your first order and you're going to get free shipping. So it's pretty cool. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes. Create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So you don't, so you don't have to wait. It's really cool stuff. Uh, blueapron.com. Slash Peristyle, blueapron.com slash Peristyle, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right. Questions about the um, officiating, like we talked about. We had Mark right in. We had Earl in West LA right in. Other people were texting in. First, we'll go with Mark. He said, can you provide any information that the coaches and the athletic director may have on hiring or the retention of referees, such as do the coaches or ADs see the results uh, of the grades that the refs receive after each game? or maybe after the season, and do the poor performance crews get fired by the conference? And then Earl in West L.A. says, I know that nothing we can do about the officiating of the Pac-12 as long as Larry Scott's commissioner, but what I saw the last two USC games has been 
has me extremely frustrated. A week after the Hail Mary fiasco against ASU, the Pac-12 refs seemed to double down. They penalized USC 14 times to Arizona's three. In the third quarter, they had a lengthy discussion after many penalties. I'm sorry, the third quarter. Uh, resulting in numerous delays, and in my opinion, disrupting USC's momentum and allowing Arizona to regroup and get back into the game. And while it felt like USC's opponents were the officials and Arizona, what are your thoughts, Coach? So a couple of people frustrated with the officiating, Coach. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I think they're getting a little bit carried away, and I think it's all coming from this targeting. I think they're paranoid as far as uh, not calling the targeting penalty and getting evaluated for that. Uh, when I coached, uh, every week, every Sunday morning, I would be able to evaluate the entire crew, give them a grade, and it went into the conference hour office, okay? I don't know if that's still going on, and if you got a lot of bad uh, grades as far as an official, then you were evaluated, sometimes put on probation, and sometimes uh, you lost your job. Now, if they're still doing it that way, they are. I, I don't know what the proper procedure is now, but I would believe they have a full-time now chief of officials. So what I would think if if he's doing his job, he should evaluate every single game and every penalty, not only the ones that were called but the ones that weren't called, and to see if they're consistent. As far as last night, uh, I could see after one rerun that whether it was targeting or not, or if it was a touchdown or a fumble or not, or a completed pass or not, or did he have his feet down or not after one or two. But it seems as though I don't know what they're looking at, but just make a decision. It seems to me like whoever's doing the evaluating is afraid to make a decision. Make a decision and move on. You can't huddle all the time. On all your calls, they had probably 10 huddles last night when all the officials got together and discussed the call. Now, sometimes that is required when it is a certain type of situation that's unique, and there was one of those last night. But uh, you've got to keep the game moving. That's your responsibility as an official, keep the game moving. I mean, that game last night wasn't over with till 11.30 p.m. 11.30 p.m., that's our time, Pacific Coast time. I'll tell you. And what started to show was the players were tired, the coaches were tired, the fans were tired and left, the media was tired. Larry Scott had already gone to bed. I called his house and it said, I'm sleeping, don't bother me. <laughs> and And no one seems to care about this. I mean, I know it's a contract agreement but please two weeks in a row i do a post-game show on a station the last two weeks it's been a halftime show let's have the halftime update i mean that's getting to be a little ridiculous i would think for the fans and everybody else so there's a lot there that needs to be cleaned up as teams need to clean up things i think the officials need to take a look at themselves with all due respect to an official, it's not an easy job. But there's a lot of things that have to be corrected. And uh, I think it starts with the top, and that's Larry Scott, who just got an extension for what I don't know. Yeah, Dave Hirsch, uh, you know, he works for Larry Scott. He was at the game last night, and uh, it was definitely frustrating just seeing the delays where they would 
announced the time left, and then they changed it, and they changed it again. And the, the guy, the, the head ref, I forget his name, just seemed to want to be on the microphone all the time. Um, it just, it's just a bad look. And uh, to have, like, premier teams in your conference going through stuff like this is a, is a bad look. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anything's going to change. It doesn't change year after year, so I wouldn't, I'm not going to, like, hold my breath that something's going to change. Um, we got Nick, Big Nick uh, from Cyprus. He said, can we stop hating on John Houston? Uh, what did John Houston do to make uh, two big plays, one on special teams and the pick? Also really uh, corralling and Khalil Tate most of the time. Fight on. Um, the one special teams play, there was a number 10 that scored a touchdown, but that was Jalen Green. Uh, it wasn't uh, John Houston. They announced John Houston, but it ended up being Jalen Green. But Houston did have that huge pick uh, at the end uh, of the game where he just ripped the ball away. Um, your thoughts on John Houston, Coach? Well, whenever you make a big play like that, you, you know people focus on it. Um, I don't want to be critical of a, of a player uh, unless I have to be, and I think that sometimes uh, I question sometimes his physical uh, stoutness as far as uh, I think people have picked on him. They've run at him uh, because he's not a, uh, a big guy. He's a quick guy, but he's not a big guy, and sometimes they put him in difficult situations where he can take on a, a blocker, I think he gives 100%. I'm not saying that he's a half-speed guy, half-speed All-American like he used to call some guys. He does his best. He got beat on a wheel route last night. Uh, he's got to make that read. Otherwise, uh, you know, you get a touchdown. That's exactly what happens. He got beat on that. Uh, there's no question about whose responsibility it was. He just forgot what his responsibility was when the back came out of the backfield and let him go. Well, you can't have that happen when you're, uh, I think he's a senior. Isn't he a senior now? Um, I think he's a Richard Junior, I believe. All right, Junior. Well, whatever year you are, you're a starter. You obviously have seen that. You have to take your keys and play that stuff. But uh, there's good plays, and there's some plays that always stand out is when you get beat. You always talk about when a player misses a tackle, not when he makes a great play. So I know he's playing at 100%. Sometimes I think he's being played out of position, personally. I don't think he's an inside linebacker. I think he'd be better on the edge. He's got a quick uh, get-off, and I think if you've noticed it the past couple of weeks is they've been able to get off the football. They're getting better contained. They're keeping everybody in the pocket, and you're getting more push inside. Play gets great push inside. We take away a lot of the lanes where people used to run up, step up in the pocket where it's not there now because they can't scramble outside, and when Tate was scrambling outside earlier in the game, he was going back five yards before he threw the ball and lofting it up in the air like a uh, wounded bird. And, uh, you know, you did the right thing in forcing him to, to pass the football. You took the run away, but you've got to be able to to know that that uh, is a dangerous weapon when you don't cover him, somebody. So uh, that's what I, what I think on John Houston. I think maybe he's being played in the position yet i don't know but i think he'd be better when he's uh, outside using his speed and quickness rather than trying to be physical inside he's actually a richard sophomore my bad on that one so um oh richard sophomore yeah. okay good yeah so he had the back good. injury so i think he richarded like with the back injury and then played the last couple of years uh let's see rancho we got eric sir eric of troy and rancho cucamaga texted in he said hello ryan this question is for you coach hyde what exactly happened to our defense in the second half? Did Arizona suddenly figure something out and adjust to it? 
Or is it that once Clancy gets a comfortable lead, he calls off the dogs and sort of sits back in his seat on cruise control and rides the rest of the game out? I personally feel like the latter is correct and have seen it more than once. Am I misreading what I saw or do either of you guys agree? Thank you uh, for always producing a five-star show. Fight on, Sir Eric of Troy. Now, I don't know what they talked about at halftime, but obviously Arizona knew what they were doing wasn't working, okay? And I would force them to take me out of what was working so well, which means we were blitzing, we were going after him, we were containing, we weren't giving him time to set up, we were stopping him before he got started. And if, if you listen to any of my pregame shows or things I do, whenever you play great teams, you stop great people before you give them the opportunity to start running. In the first half, Tate had no opportunity at all to try to make a breakaway run. He was all the lanes were shut down. Every gap was taken, so it's very difficult. In fact, he became very flustered. He sometimes he just let him grab him, throw him to the ground. I think at halftime they had 96 yards total offense. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was somewhere in that area, below 100 yards, because you take the subtraction off of all of the plays you have a plus on on the, the on the sacks you have. So it was working, and I think that you have to continue with that until they force you off. I tweeted out, I think it was in the third quarter, that I think the defense went to bed. And what I meant by that, yes, it was a late game, but I think they called it off. Rather than try to really continue at what you were doing, you sort of said, okay, we just can't give up the big play. Let's just, let's just do this. Let's be careful. Let's don't take a chance and allow the big play. And they got the big play. You got to continue keeping the heat on him, man. You can't allow that guy to get started. But once he gets started, let's give him credit. He's a force to stop. He's hard to tackle in the open field. And once he gets past your top, your front seven, he's even harder because he's so much bigger than your defensive backs, and he's hard to bring down. So you have to stop this cat before he gets started. And in the second half, they neglected to do that. Now, towards the end of the game, they came back to that. They started to stop him, and they made some better plays. But you can't call it off until they make you call it off. They made him, actually, in the second half, it almost was what you might call a single wing. He would stay back there, get the snap, and run and find the open area and just run. Uh, I, I mean, basically, if you remember what the old single wing was, that's what it reminded me of. Just run and get some yards. So you've got to be able to penetrate to be able to stop that type of stuff. Otherwise, he gets to the secondary, and you got a problem. Yeah, and USC definitely had a problem in the uh, the second half. The turnovers certainly helped, you, forcing uh, a Tate fumble and then a couple of interceptions. But, yeah, he uh, he got things rolling. And you, you knew he was going to get his eventually. But it's just a little discouraging to have a 28-6 lead and then have the game tied at 35. Um, let's see. We have the, the G wrote in and said, question for Coach Hyde. With just a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter and having uh, just called a 30-second timeout, why does the offense have to look back at the sideline? Did they not get the play during the timeout? And finally, what changed from the first half when the D had tape bottled up to the second half where he broke us a new one? Thanks, gents, the G. So you can address the second part of it, but the first part, you can. Well, you know, uh, and also, uh, I don't know if he meant this too, but I'll address it, wasted timeouts. You know, you, you waste timeouts when you don't need timeouts, and it seems 
there's a lot of rotating of receivers and a lot of rotating of players and and Sam having to put somebody in a different position and this and that. It, it seems like a lack of communication in a way. Or a late call comes in uh, after they've been to the sideline for a timeout. Uh, that's very confusing to me, too. How can you not go out and line up properly after you've had a timeout? That's almost hard to believe. Uh, or use a timeout when you don't need a timeout, but you need those timeouts later in the game if you're going to make a, a two-minute drive. Uh, I, the two-minute drill at the end of the half, I didn't really know if they were trying to run a two-minute drill or what they were doing. Uh, it seems as though they wasted a lot of time. And how about at the end of the game when they scored real quickly with Ron Jones? They had 25 seconds left on the clock. When it was a two-score game, all that you know they needed to do was to score again, do an onside kick, and get the ball, and then drive down. They should have taken their time. When he scored, they had 25 seconds left on the clock. Run it down to three seconds and then run the ball. There's, and they ran a quick plate. Now, why would you do that? I mean, sometimes I'm thinking about, what are you thinking about? Are you communicating? You know, you want to take as much time off the clock. If anything, you don't want to score too fast. Uh, you know, if nothing else, if you're Arizona, let them score. So you can get the ball back. You've seen that happen before. Let them score. We want the ball back. We want to get down. We want to score. We want onside kicks so we got a chance they can't stop us so sometimes you got to look at the overall picture and you see what is the plan and the communication of what's going on but again let's get back to this so you don't think we're always negative we're talking about i'm talking to my staff on sunday in our staff room like i talk to you these are the things i'm asking them we can't have this stuff yes we won yes we're in first place but it isn't good enough. Keith in New Jersey said, hey, guys. Uh, Keith in New Jersey with a, another East Coast all-nighter. Uh, so he had two questions. Uh, the second one was about the uh, officiating, so we kind of talked about that. The first one, though, was uh, why has Akacedric Ware been given so few touches this year before last night, even when Carr was sidelined? He said, yes, I'm an Aka fan. He said, uh, glad to see next week is a 4 o'clock eastern kickoff meaning pumpkin ale instead of pumpkin coffee thanks for using my questions fight on keith in new jersey well keith uh, i think after watching last night's performance sort of has helped him a lot as far as the confidence of usc's coaching staff players as far as seeing how hard he ran and how well he ran and i think the more he has the opportunity to run the better football player he will become in the old days, you learn how to run with the football because you're practicing running with the football at the speed of the game. You can't go through that in practice. You can't read holes in daylight and these different things walking through thud. You've got to do it in the real line of fire. And the more you do that, the better off you are in becoming a better football player. Say with Ron Jones, last night I thought he played a fabulous football game. And I thought Ware played a fabulous football game. But you have to run the football. It can't be an intramural program where everybody gets their turn. And last night, back at the receiver spot again, I don't know why, but they had a lot of rotation there in the, in the receivership now. You know, I, there's some people in there that weren't playing, but they were back in there playing. 
You've got to allow your players to play to get better. You can't hit in practice. So the only way you can learn to play it now is in the game. They used to, you know, we used to scrimmage on even Thursday. I've told you that. On goal line offense, we run it every Thursday. Now, I would want to close my eyes. I've said this a hundred times. I didn't want to get anybody to hurt, but for the good of the team, we had to hit somebody. Remember what the feeling was. We had to go full speed on defense so we knew how to pursue and hit and tackle. And on offense, we knew how to had to get across the ball or pass block, whatever we had to do. So, I just, I just, uh, I just don't know, but uh, I don't even know what the damn question was. Now. <laughs> I just tell you guys, I get rolling. I don't even know what the damn question was. It was about August Cedric Ware. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he really showed himself up, and I think he's a hell of a player. <laughs> yeah, the, um, so Vavai being out of this game, I think, uh, helped uh, get him more touches, too. Uh, he was, you know, he was like the number two guy and then sort of got passed up on the depth chart a little bit. So, um there was that. Uh, speaking of depth chart, Tarek, we got a couple more left for you. Tarek wrote in. He said, Wally Patiku and Connor Murphy have not played much, despite the fact that both were highly rated coming out of high school. Is this due to scheme development or both? And I'll, I'll give a quick thought. Um, I mean, when Port Augustine went down, I think that was the plan to have those two guys kind of fill in. And the production just wasn't there. I think they started with Connor Murphy. Um, Christian Rector moved over and was very effective. And so they let him take that spot and kind of change the front a little bit. But when I see those guys in the game, I'm just not seeing a lot of production. And I think that's probably the limiting factor. But um, what are your thoughts on that coach? No, I agree. I think Connor Murphy's a big kid, but he's going to have to play inside somewhere else. Uh, I think he was tied into in high school. Maybe he could use on the offensive side of the ball. You got to be quick to play outside. You got to have the edge. You got to be able to get out there and pursue and flatten out and do the things and, uh, that show quickness, you know, Emerson Griffin and these guys that are playing now in the NFL, you know, they, they, those guys played at SC and they, had, they struggled at times. But when they got into a situation where they knew what they were doing and played what they did, not given a lot of responsibility, but was able to do their user athletic ability, they became great players. And I think you've got to, how many weeks times do you hear me say, put the players in a position where they can excel, not think about it. Let them be an athlete. Well, very important, like Levi Jones. Now, let me say it again. Yeah, he got a penalty last night for a face mask. But get him on the field somewhere. If you ever give him a chance to get on the field, he'll never come off again. Okay? Play now. When you watch him, when you see the shove and the push, he's taking two guys straight back into the backfield. That's what you want out of a guard in the middle. You want that type of play. So I don't care if you're a freshman or junior or whatever you are. If you can play and make the team better, then get on the field. Get them on the field. Get them in a position. That, if they're playing a position where they can't play, then make them a nose guard. Make them a, something else because you're wasting great talent that doesn't have the opportunity to contribute to the success of your program. Well, it's funny. You mentioned Brandon Peely. That was our uh, other question, John in Northridge. Uh, he said, after watching some replays, it looks like Brandon Peely put Arizona's starting center on roller skates more than a few times. His push off the ball and athleticism remind me of how the big cat used to play. I think the young uh, man deserves some recognition, considering he came in as a three-star high school player. Uh, add some muscle to that high school frame, and you've got a wrecking ball in the middle of that defensive line. Coach Hyde 
Ryan, give me your thoughts on Peely. And if you remember, he got his first start against Notre Dame, and I, I talked to him after the game, and he just wasn't in good enough shape to – he was thrown into that starting role. He wasn't in good enough shape to play the whole game. But coming in for spots, he seemed to do pretty well. But what do you think, Coach? Well, where do we go back to? August? When did I start telling you about him? Yeah. Ryan, no, just, just tell him. When did I start telling you about him, Jones, some of these other guys? Yeah, when did I say Tyler Vaughn? When did I tell you about these guys? Yeah, fall, fall camp you were talking about them. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling him, here's a guy that's got the potential to play. And the only way he can become a football player is, like Coach McKay and Marv Grew used to say, big on big. Let's go big on big and see who does it. They used to have an Oklahoma and all these different drills. People who played football knows what the Oklahoma drill is. And, you know, you used to have drills where you found out just who's tough. Well, I don't know if they have these drills anymore. They don't. They did it once in a while uh, at USC. I think they're afraid someone might get hurt. I don't know. But you got to, the way you become a football player is play football, not not walk through plays. And play has, he has all, hey, where can you find a guy that's 6'6", 350 pounds or whatever, that can do a backflip at that size, land on his feet, and keep going? I don't know anyone that can do that at that size. I dare to say I don't know anybody in the NFL can do that. But you got to let these guys, no matter what year they are in college, if they're the best, they play themselves into shape. They play themselves into becoming a man. And all of a sudden you'll see the players, the seniors, accepting that young man as a guy that contributes to the football team. And what you tell the guy he beat out that's a senior, show us you're better than him and we'll play you too. This is not a program where we satisfy everybody's feelings. If you need to go to therapy, go to therapy. But we've got to win for our program and our university and school. Uh, we got one last one for you, Marcel and Diamond Bar. Um, he said, I understand Notre Dame and others hand out weekly awards or game awards. Does USC hand out awards on a weekly basis? And what is Coach Hyde's feeling on handling out uh, handing out game awards uh, and its effect on the team, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they do any kind of weekly awards, but I, at least I haven't heard about them. I don't know if you know, Coach. Uh, there's there's services that give out all their awards. You probably saw the one that came out today. They gave John Houston the defensive player of the game, and they gave Ronald Jones the offensive player of the game. But I don't know what service that is. So, but they do do that. Uh, myself, I, I don't believe there's any awards. You all win and you all lose. Okay. In fact, Jerry Tarkanian, when I was at UNLV, I learned this. He didn't give any awards. Most valuable, most improved, he used to say, uh, what what award is that? How do you know what game is the most valuable player at the banquet? He used to just get up and say, hey, I'm just going to congratulate my whole team. I'll never forget the one year they didn't win 35 games or whatever it was, and Tarkanian says, we're not even going to have a banquet. These guys don't deserve one. I mean, Wow. <laughs> Because they didn't even play with the intensity he wanted to play defense and the type of play he has. So, you know, I think awards are, are nice to get, but what do they mean? You either win or lose. Yes, it's nice to be all-conference. That's someone else voting you that, okay? But during the year, who cares who's the most valuable? You all won and you all lost. Who cares if you got five yards or you're, or you're the fullback knocking down guys 
and you started the game at 6-2 and you ended the game at 5-10 <laughs> because you blocked so many people, your neck lost five inches in it, okay? Yet your name was never mentioned by the PA announcer. So how do you vote him most valuable of anything? But without that guy, your other great backs don't make it happen. So, you know, I'm not big on, on, on awards and stuff. I'm big on team awards. I'm big on if you win a conference championship, everybody gets a ring, including the announcers, including the uh, secretaries, because they do as much as anyone else does. So, you know, that's what I'm big on. Hey, if we win something worth giving something, then we'll do it. Otherwise, hey, let's get ready for next year. Hey, you know, we actually got a late voicemail in. Do you want to do one more, Coach, about a uh, little Jalen Green talk? All right. All right, we'll do one last one. Here you go. Hi, this is Curtis from Moreno Valley. I have a take on Jalen Green. We used to use Jalen Green when he wasn't a starting receiver for all kind of cool trick plays. I remember a double reverse where he had the option to run our pass. He threw a beautiful bomb to Juju Smith for a touchdown at Notre Dame. And in the uh, Rose Bowl, he did a tri- they did a triple reverse, and he didn't throw and had maybe 25 to 30-yard gain out of it. They've totally abandoned these kind of trick plays with, which maximize his talents since he's been a full-time receiver. And that's taken away from our offense. Now, since he's not a regular receiver, can we please do the stuff we were normally doing with him, which is very hard to stop and tough to prepare for? Fight on, Kurt from Moreno Valley. Well, Kurt, let me let me tell you, I, I'm big into special teams. When you set up trick plays, but unless you set them up, they aren't going to work. You look like a fool running them. And, you know, they've done a couple of those earlier in the year. One where they ran the toss-back pass. The, uh, the back ran in the line, turned around, tossed it back to Sam, if you remember, and it was a, ended up being, a, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, if you notice, they don't run any type of reverses. They don't run any type of counter plays. They run one off-back, off-tackle, and where went about 40 yards on it. Caught Arizona napping on that play. They weren't expecting it. So it, it's... Uh, tough to run any type of reverse when you're really not doing anything to set it up you can't run any special play unless you set those plays up and that's see really usc runs about three plays okay not that you have to run a lot but they run up the middle they run off tackle and run outside they don't run any counters they don't come back the other way they don't run any type of quarterback keep which uh, it's a one-back offense, so the quarterback's got to run the football, but they decide not to do that. So it's hard to set up trick plays or reverse plays, but they don't even run it where the guy runs by and you don't give him the ball, like cross action or jet sweep, but you don't give it to the jet sweep guy where at least you hold the backside. You don't have to. You don't just put it run jet sweep when you give him the ball. You run jet sweep and you don't give him the ball, but you hold the backside. And you see how they played it. Did they ignore him? What if we give it to him? They weren't caring about it. Then we give it to him. Uh, you know, you've got to set up special uh, plays or trick plays. You just go out go out, and run them. So I think that's my answer. They've got to be all set up, and they've got to come off a series. Well, Coach, great stuff. A lot of questions about the game. Obviously, some frustrated fans. Um, but the, the important point is, 
USC's now eight and two. Crazy. Going uh That's looks, right. Yeah, looks like gonna make the Pac twelve championship game barring some kind of major collapse, and that's what it would take. Um so USC just has to win one more game. Colorado, UCLA, neither of those teams looking very good, especially UCLA. So if they're not able to make the Pac twelve championship game, something's extremely wrong. There'll be a lot more questions than what we got today. But thanks again, coach, for uh jumping in. Well, thank you very much, and I understand all of your concerns out there, and please, uh, we appreciate you calling in and sort of venting, and we vent at the same time and see if we watch the same game together, and we have. And uh, remember, it's only our opinion of what we saw as you saw, and maybe we gave you the answer you wanted. Maybe we it got you more upset, but we're just telling you exactly how we see it and the way we try to answer your questions, and we appreciate you being a part of our show. We certainly do. And, uh, Coach, thanks so much. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.